Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Dishes and Dimes. Are you leave a hotter podcast to record, guys? <laughs> Do you guys agree? <laughs> um, I'm here, and Dishes and Dimes brought to you by Basketball News, of course. I'm here with special guest. Everyone knows him. Zach Lowe once called him the great. I mean, who are we to argue with Zach Lowe? It is your number one source for Raptors news, William Liu of Sportsnet. What's up, Will? What's good? What's good? Uh, first time, long time, obviously a big fan of your show. So very truly honored to be on the podcast uh, like three years after you guys started. So I, I appreciate it. It's a huge honor so far. <laughs> Not the same. Uh, no, I'm kidding. No, seriously, though, I'm actually a huge fan. And um, You're yeah, a busy no, man. I'm always happy to come on. What's You're that? Busy. You're a busy man. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, only uh, Raptors Nets uh, later this afternoon at 3.30. Uh, to go yeah. down to the arena and you know but no it's all good man it's, and, ta- uh, and, and, watch, you guys. and watch Pascal Siakam which is really exciting something we're going to be talking about I'm so glad that he is back and I'm so interested to see what all of your thoughts are going to be on what the rotation looks like and some questions there but we'll get into that in a little bit I kind of want to talk about the mess of the league because mm-hmm. the Raptors not the Raptors the NBA is my favorite like soap opera it's my favorite drama it's my favorite show. I love Big Brother because Big Brother's 24 hours mess where I can watch live feeds and there's going to be something going on. And the NBA kind of operates like that, where it's just 24 hours mess. Um, and I wanted to start off by just talking about the Robert Sarver mess in Phoenix and ask you guys what your thoughts are on everything that happened there. Yeah, I mean... Um this is like a really bad month for uh, rich white people bullshit, but this is exactly what's happening right now with them. I mean, look, it's more serious than like, I guess that kind of phrasing, but um, it's, it's really awful. And I'm really curious to see what the league does with this. To be honest, for me, like based on the past precedent on this, uh, you know, things of this nature, uh, of course they'll do an investigation and they'll have all that. And, you know, we'll see what the investigation comes up with because when they talk about investigation, what they're really looking for usually is like hard concrete evidence, like a videotape, a recording, something like that. In the same case that when you had Donald Sterling, um, there was a videotape and there was, you know, honestly, truly one of the wildest uh, audio recordings ever. Uh, and, and also court documents that had some very graphically ex- uh, explicit things that uh, he said. Um, so, 
you know, if they're able to find that here, then I think that the, the situation is probably going to end up with the league having to take over and uh, take this team from Robert Sarver's hands. I mean, look, let's 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 be real. He hasn't been a popular owner in the past. He's sort of cheaped out with players. Uh, historically, we've seen him obviously just do that recently with DeAndre Ayton, who was a big part of their their championship run, and then not uh, paying him after all that. I mean. It's uh, it's disappointing, but it's also not surprising. Like I think a lot of these things, when you open what is said behind closed doors, like this is likely what is usually said behind closed doors, which is really disappointing. But um, I don't think anyone is necessarily that surprised to hear that people are, especially really rich old white people, are are, are truly awful behind the scenes. Right, and I think that was incredibly well said. I, what my my whole thing, and for anyone who who doesn't know, Baxter Holmes of ESPN put out a piece this week, kind of exposing all of the toxicity, the racism, allegations of racism, and allegations of sexism and misogyny um, within that organization that starts at the top with their governor, uh, Robert Sarver. And I think I think you said something that was very poignant about kind of this this just happens with like the old rich white dudes which i mean own 29 league 29 of the teams um in this league and it's always interesting to me when stories like this come out mm-hmm. now when it did with donald sterling we know that that was Vistaviano, who let me tell you the leagues can conduct as many different investigations all this stuff takes so long for them to do and they get lawyers involved you just needed to go with her cell phone and she managed to take down one of the richest men in the world um and i love that Lady, mm-hmm. cell phones, important. But um, it's always interesting to me when stories like this come out, and it's not too dissimilar to what happened here in Toronto not that long ago. Of course, everyone knows the story of one of our owners. Um, and it's it, and then this comes out with Robert Server, and then you have the story coming out with Neil O'Shea, the general manager of the Portland Trailblazers. And I'm always interested to see, like, when does this come out? Because Robert Sarver did not just suddenly become racist or suddenly become a misogynist. He's on the team since 2004, and this has been allowed to go on. So I'm interested in, like, what was the turning point where this started to leak to the point where you now have this giant expose that comes out against him? I mean, I I would say that it feels a little bit like they're dissatisfied with him and they've been dissatisfied with him for a while. And so they put together a bunch of people who are willing to speak up against it feels a lot like a succession episode rather than oh like we finally have a conscience and let's get this racist white man out of out of this position I think it's more so like this is a convenient time for this story to come out um, because maybe we want to make some moves um, in the front office and we can't really do it when there's a cheapskate here um, that's not willing to do what he needs to do for the betterment of the team yeah um, difficult to so, work yeah. No, I think that that's I think that that's exactly it. And I think that's exactly what's happening probably with the Portland Trailblazers. Like and, and that's a different situation because we're not talking about an owner or governor. We're talking about a general manager or president. But it, it just it struck me as like really interesting that this Robert Sarver stuff was coming out now. Um, and like all of this stuff is coming out now. And I think if we just sort of pivot over to what's going on with the Portland Trailblazers, for those who don't know, um, the athletic reported that, um, there's going to be an internal investigation on Neil O'Shea because of the toxic environment he has created as a workspace there. Now, there haven't been any allegations of racism or sexism. and We don't actually know who came forward or how many people came forward. Um, but 
there is this toxic environment apparently that's going on with Portland and I was just sort of following around some Blazers fans and it seems like some people believe that this is probably just a way to get him out without having to actually pay him the remainder of his contract because if they fire you with cause Mm. well then you you you, you're not owed anything that you're owed but if they just let you go well now they have you still on the books and they have to continue to pay do you guys think that there's any sort of uh there could be any truth to that or what do you think what's going on with the with the portland trailblazers and the neil o'shea situation yeah i'm not i'm not surprised that there would be something actual legitimate there but also i think uh, you know um so Henry Abbott has been doing a lot of uh, reporting into Portland and some of it I, th- I think has um, has rubbed some players the wrong way. Like I think the interaction with Dame Lillard was very pu- uh, public and I don't mm-hmm. think uh, Henry sounded that great in that perspective, mm-hmm. but I think also he revealed some stuff in terms of the ownership structure there. And um, it's, it's not good. It's really not good. Again, it comes back to the, the, the really old rich people um, thing with like, you know, uh, jo- Jody Allen and, their ownership structure like i'm sure it's toxic regardless but i mean yeah uh neil o'shea who really knows what's what situation is, is going on there um, i'm sure it's toxic he's just i'm, I'm sure, sure it's toxic too toxic i mean he's for a very long time <laughs> yeah he's wasted like uh, 10 years of dave's career so far and uh you know every year his big move is like let's let's sign another like three and d wing that's not really going to impact anything uh and let's never break up this backcourt and you know i it's I don't know uh, if, if they want to get rid of him. I mean, to be honest, just if you want to fire him, just fire him. You know, like he's been there forever and the results haven't been there. Like, I think that's cause enough. But right. clearly they just if they want to save a buck on this, that's fine, too. But um, I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, if there was toxic, um, a, a toxic environment in most front offices, because like it is a really high stress job and it's almost entirely run by really rich uh, men. And um that it's just condu- it's just conducive to, to to many things that would you know slip through the cracks. I mean, I completely agree, and that's kind of my the point that I was trying to make there, which is like it, Neil O'Shea, by all accounts, has a very bad temper, um, and he likes things done a particular way, and he's very vocal with his distaste uh, or his dissatisfaction with things, and so I'm sure that there is environment there because anytime that you have a boss that um is known to be an angry person (laughs) or have a short temper or a bad temper um that doesn't create a very sort of fun and easy and and nice environment to work in that creates a toxic environment but he didn't just suddenly become toxic and I think yes the the my thing about the blazers in this team is they're almost the exact same team yeah. All the time. Like, doesn't matter which wing they slot in. It, it's going to be the team with Damon CJ, you know, as their guards. They're going to have whatever wing slot in. It could be Norman Powell replacing Gary Trent Jr. or Rocco coming in. That doesn't really change. And then they're going to have a big, tall, white guy. They're always going to have use of language. <laughs> and it's like, if it's not Jason, <laughs> then it's Miles Teller's Pum, Pumley Zeller. Like, it's just going to be one of them. And so the makeup of their team never changes. And it's kind of like Einstein's definition of insanity, which is like, you know, if you keep trying the same thing and it's not working for you, then you're probably going to fail at it. And it's just like every single year you can bank on a few different things. You can bank on like CJ and Dane being in Portland. They're going to have whatever wings there. They're going to try to bring in some defensive wings. 
it's, you know, Gary Trent Jr., this year, great defender, but like no mm-hmm. defensive stopper and then comes in and is like, the Eastern Conference is kind of different. You guys play defense over here. And it's like, yes, the Portland Trailblazers very specifically did not. Yeah. Um, and then you have whatever big, tall white guy that you can find. And it's just, you're going to always be a top five offense and a bottom five defense that feels like that's exactly what the blazers have been they've been a bad defense and a good offense year in and year out dame hasn't even shot well and they're still top seven offense right now and they're a bottom five defense (laughs) like it's just like same thing happens every single season with this team something's got to give something's got to change and this is the first year that dame fully like voiced his dissatisfaction with where he's at in his career and you know, he came out, Chris Haynes came out with the story. And as Raptor fans, we're very familiar that when Chris Haynes is coming out with the story, oh, yeah. that shit is coming from the player. <laughs> Especially Dame, who they have, they've, they've, they've had a relationship since um, Chris Haynes was reporting for in Portland in a local beat before yeah. he went national. It was big time. So, and yeah, so I mean, you know, that's you know, coming from Dame. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm sure Dame wrote it himself. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we had final check before that went live and for those of you guys who aren't familiar with the story because it was buried with all of the other mess that the nba has happening right now because like i said nba great soap opera it's sometimes even hard to keep up with the storylines and the blazers have given us so much drama already or only a week into the season but damian lillard spoke about meeting up with lebron james and anthony davis in the summertime had a dinner with them and they talked about a potential future not like he didn't call it a meeting he said it was a dinner he was trying to couch it with like you know it's not tampering mm. we're doing anything illegal how is that not tampering but whatever wow. I, was, I was gonna say what uh, it was a date it was a, it was a, it was, a, it was a guy's night out guys it was not tampering like get out of here it's a guy's night out where we talked about our future we talked about <laughs> playing together on the lakers like how is that not tampering it's no secret that dave that LeBron wants to play with Dave. Like, it's just a bunch of... It, apparently, it's not tampering, okay? Uh-huh. It's, it's, it's not. Um, it's tampering when John Horst does it, you know? But when LeBron James <laughs> does it, it's not. <laughs> but, I'm not mad at that, actually. <laughs> I'm, I'm cool with that. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. John, uh, that, can I, that was one of the worst... Tam- like, that is a terrible... How are you going to tamper with a player who doesn't even want to be where you are? Like, yeah. how do you get dinged twice? Like, it is embarrassing. I can't believe Sean Willie would do that. but um so yeah so dame had this like dinner and it comes out and this is the first time that dame actually spoke about a potential future outside of portland the one guy who's like portland till he dies and in the story he does kind of talk about you know seeing Giannis celebrate a championship and wanting that for himself and wanting to remain in portland because he feels like a championship elsewhere won't be as satisfying as something that he's worked his entire career for. And he also talks about kind of referencing the Russell Westbrook situation where if he leaves his small market and goes somewhere else, he doesn't, that team does not have the same loyalty to him. So he could be traded from that situation and kind of bounce around the league in a way that Russ has done since leaving OKC. So it kind of felt like, yes, he's still going to stay. He wants to stay. His dad wants him to stay, but it was very much a, just to let you guys know, I considered leaving and I can leave at any point. Um, yeah. So get your together. And now Neil O'Shea is under fire and the team wants to fire him. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this is very toxic behavior all around, to be honest. This is the traits <laughs> of a toxic partner. You know, like I'll, I could leave <laughs> if you don't do this or, you know, I, I mean, 
I think with Dame, honestly, it's it's almost a case of a, a player who has like really established himself as a certain brand that doesn't want to give that up. And the Dame Lillard brand is like, I'm super loyal. Like I'm 10 toes, you know, in Portland. And like, it sounds great. And it's like, oh, you know, Paul George is running from the grind. And it's like, I mean, to be honest, honestly, Paul George just wanted to like, you know, advance his own career. He didn't want to like stay in Indiana his whole life. And which fair, you know, which is fair. Like, I mean, it. I think the only thing Dame has really done wrong in the situation is really just like tried to judge other players for leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, because like, you know what, like every single player only has like X number of years of their life that they can do what they want to do. And, uh, to be honest, most of the time they can't actually control what they actually do. So, um, but Dame, just like, just own it. You want to, you want to win 48 games and lose in the second round. Like it's fine, man. There's nothing wrong with that. Like you get paid $50 million. No one's mad at you. You, He set himself up to be hated, right? Like if he leaves Portland now. It's always going to be you said that you were down for Portland till the very end and you mm-hmm. left. So he he set himself for failure. It's the Aisha Curry of basketball, right? Like that's oh, kind of what she did. She, she did yeah. the exact same thing where she was just like, you know, I like to wear clothes. I like to be covered up. I don't know what y'all girls are doing out there, but like this is how I and then she was like, uh, I'm gonna post some bikinis and I wanna feel sexy, which is like great. Mm. you know love your body celebrate your body great but once you started shaming other girls you can't go and do that and that's exactly right. what you're saying exactly damian lillard the aisha curry of Ooh, the that's NBA. good Damn. that's that's good people compare him to steph it. but it's been the wrong comparison this entire time <laughs> wow <laughs> i get it that's good that's good right that's good. all right you guys i have this fun game that i wanted to do because okay. you know what the season's just begun and there are always really weird trends to start the year out and i wanted to see if you guys know what's going on in the nba because i don't think anyone does no, i'm kidding uh, i just wanted to see if you guys could um could answer some of these really fun questions because the nba is weird on the first couple of weeks of the season so i'm gonna give you guys some multiple choice questions and um I don't know if we should go back and forth or if I should, if whoever gets it first just buzzes in, basically. Should we just do buzz in? Yeah, let's buzz in. All right, we're buzzing in. Um, And by buzzing in, you're just going to answer the question. <laughs> All right, so question number one. Who currently leads the league in blocks? All right, you ready for your answers? Does anyone have an idea already? Can someone answer without the multiple choice? Is it Miles Turner? Well, let's get into the answers. Okay. So okay. A, right. Miles Turner. Okay. B, Rudy Gobert. C, Al Horford. Or D, Robert Williams III. So are you going with A, Miles Turner, Will? I guess so. But now that you put two Celtics on the list, I'm like, it's got to be one of them if you got to put two of them on there. But I'll, I'll stick with Miles Turner because I, I just I saw him block Fred like six times. In, in, in. <laughs> He's played Fred twice already, so he should lead the league in blocks. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, oh, no. Sandy, uh, would you like to give us your answer? I was going to go with Miles Turner as well. All right. Aren't wrong. The answer is a self. You could have gone with your gut there. It's Al Horford. Al uh, Horford, a 50-year-old what? man. Old ass to Al. What? Really? Al is currently leading the lead in blocks with 3.1. Um, blocks per game. Really? Good, good for him. Wow. <laughs> what a resurgence. Good for him. I was going to say, didn't he tear his pack like three times <laughs> once? Like, Yo, what are you doing with your pack that you keep tearing it, man? Like, leave your pack alone. 
damn wow good for him though no that's Hey guys, so this is the point that we ran into some technical difficulties. Unfortunately, some audio was lost here, but Will was gracious enough to join us after the game. So we get to talk about Pascal Siakam's return. We talk about Raptors versus Nets and Yasmin joins us. So please stay tuned for the second part of this episode. Hello everyone and welcome to Dishes and Dimes Take Two. I told you guys, this pod has been a nightmare to record, but Will has been so incredibly gracious. Thank you so much for joining us. And let me tell you, take two is even better because we've added another dime. Is that what we're calling ourselves? Another dish? Another dime? Oh we've God. added Yasmin. Oh, brother. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so Yasmin, what is up? How are you? I'm well. I'm well. Yo, daylight savings just threw me off. Like it literally, <laughs> it, it messed up my Sunday. <laughs> that one hour <laughs> I, I woke up dizzy <laughs> that happens that happens but you know what it is nighttime right now we are recording after the game which is great because we have some takeaways about Pascal Siakam's first game here but you know what I did want to take up I want to start it back at that quiz because I was stumping you guys on some questions and I had a big one about the rookie now Kevin Durant was very complimentary of Scotty Barnes who just yanked the ball out of his hands in one possession. Like that was, that was such a monster move. Could we just take some time to appreciate what Scotty Barnes did right there? Because that is a grown man um, that he just plucked the ball right out of and said, this is mine now. Yeah. Scotty's good for like a couple viral plays per game. (laughs) Um, That's what I'm banking on for his rookie of the year case, because Evan Mobley is looking kind of scary. So we just need Scotty to continue uh, being blockbuster and we're good. <laughs> All right. So, Yasmin, unfortunately, you missed the first two questions. Just to give you where we're at right now, Sandy is up one nothing. They both got the first question wrong, which was who leads the league currently in blocks. They guessed Miles Turner, which would make sense, but it is Al Horford, um, which makes no sense. and yes let me see if you can get the second question here oh god okay who currently has the best offensive rating in the league now things might have changed today but this was as of this Uh, morning sunday november 7th best offensive rating i have four options here for you so it's a yeah, yeah go ahead a sixers b clippers c warriors or d jazz Oh, I think this one is uh, the Sixers. You are correct. You are correct. Yeah, my Sixers. <laughs> naturally. Your naturally Sixers. They, they just the needed Ben one. Simmons out of there. All right. They have the number one offense, of course. Naturally. Of course. Of course they do. All right. So we talked a little bit about Scotty. We left off at this question here. Will Chamberlain won MVP and Rookie of the Year? <laughs> In the same year, his first year in, he obviously that's when you win rookie of the year. I did not explain that one. And another guy did this as well. It's only ever been done one other time in NBA history. Now, some of you guys have had like 12 hours to think on this. So I'm expecting the correct answer. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know who the other person was that won both MVP and rookie of the year in their season? Your choices are A, Michael Jordan. B. Elvin Hayes, C. Oscar Robertson, or D. Wes Unseld? I believe I already gave my answer. 
uh, last time, which I don't think is correct, which was Wes Unsealed. But um, okay. I'm just going to stick to that. All right. I like it. For, for no reason. <laughs> Your audio definitely cut out because I did not hear the Wes Unsealed. That's where, that's where we dropped off last time. Oh, oh, word. Okay. Well, yeah, in yeah. That case, let me just change it to Oscar then because that, that feels a lot more like <laughs> No, well, Forget that's cheating, bro. All right, fine, fine. fine. Come on. Unsealed. All right. Unsealed. Sandy. I was going to actually go with Oscar for real. So, uh, okay. Oscar's my choice. Yasmin. Yeah. I was going to say Oscar. Cause yeah, I have, I have like, I feel like, um, MJ is just an easy choice. So it's probably wrong. <laughs> All right. It is definitely not Michael Jordan. Um, I want to say B Alvin Hayes did not win MVP and rookie of the year in his first year, but what he did win was scoring champ. He was the scoring oh my champ God. in his rookie season in 1969. Now, despite being the scoring champ, he did not win MVP. Or he did not win rookie of the year. Sorry. He did not win rookie of the year despite being the scoring champ in his rookie season. And that's because Wes Unseld, D, was the MVP and the rookie of the year in oh 1969. My God. What a crazy year. <laughs> that was That's exciting. It, <laughs> it, it's an ex- <laughs> and here's why, because I was confused by this. I was like, how is this possible? What was the competition? I looked it up. Will Chamberlain played 12 games that year. He was injured. <laughs> and then, so we had a rookie class that went on to do this because that of course it was Will Chamberlain dominating the league at this time. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, Wes Ensel came in, in in a year where Wilt was down and, and won that. See, I need to read about the 1969 NBA season now because this is there's so much drama. <laughs> like, I was like, I looked this up. I was like, how did Elvin Hayes become the scoring champ but not win Rookie of the Year? Who else could have won Rookie of the Year? And then I find out it's the MVP of that season. <laughs> there we go. So, Will, you are now on the board and it's all tied. Thank you. I feel very happy about this. But also, this man averaged 13.8 points per game. Why you gotta do that? Why? Why did you have to look? So apparently, I guess I guess it was defense and, and rebounding. I, I think that's okay, what it yeah, was. I mean, 18 rebounds is nice, but I mean, like, yo, this guy put up this neck <laughs> beyond stat line from the, the Cavs series. And one MVP as a and Elvin, Elvin Hayes was the scoring champ, and I believe also averaged 17 rebounds a game. So I need to know oh who was voting Lord. on MVP oh, and did not. Like, I don't know how it was in Elvin Hayes, but then Elvin Hayes did go on to team up with Wes Unseld and win championships. So, you know, I did a lot of digging. I've known, I know a lot about the 1960s, 1970s NBA now. That is fascinating. That Like, it's, it's a struggle. You got to scratch and claw and like damn near die to get over 10 rebounds, like to average that in today's NBA. So for people to average like 17 and whatnot, that's insane. Yeah, but looking back at Wilt's numbers, it's like, who are you guys playing against? What What is going on? Well, so what's the uh, the go-to occupation, plumber? <laughs> plumber? plumber? Can I just, can I, uh, Yasmin, you were not here when I read off Will Chamberlain's stats. 38 points and 27 rebounds in his rookie season. <laughs> <laughs> just stupid numbers that don't what? compute. They do not compute. Okay. So everyone is tied. It's 1-1-1 right now. It's anyone's game. Going into question four, do you know which team currently leads the league in fast break points? Okay. Uh, 
I'm going to give you guys gonna, think. Uh, Can you get it without the multiple choice if anyone has a guess? Yeah, I want to guess. I'm going to say Warriors. Okay. Because they play very fast right now. I just watched them versus Houston like a moment ago. Mm-hmm. Sandy, do you have a guess or do you guys, or Will, do you have a guess or do you want the multiple choice? Let me go through the multiple choice. So A is Yasmin's answer, the Golden State Warriors. B are the Denver Nuggets. C are the Chicago Bulls. And D are the San Antonio Spurs. Teams are bad. Um, gonna you know what? I will go with the Warriors as well. Okay. I really refuse to believe that the other teams are leading, but I'll I'll be the different one and go with the Bulls, even though I think that's the wrong. That's also a good choice. But they have Demar. I feel like good news and bad news. And Lamelo's go ahead passes. I feel like that's a good choice too. I mean, there is really no good. I mean, good news, you're all tied. Bad news, that means you guys are all wrong. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what was the answer? Like Denver or something? The San Antonio Spurs. Oh, wow. <laughs> what? The San Antonio Spurs are currently only by a hair, only leading Denver by a hair. Things could have changed today. I don't know if your nuggets played, but the San Antonio Spurs are currently leading the league in fast break points. With just over 15 a game. That is fascinating. Or 15% of their possessions at the very least. I can't remember what it was per game. Should have had these notes here. All right. That is so As random. Of this morning, you guys. Some I need like up. 10 more. I need like 10 more regular season games before I start saying the seasons. Well, that's why <laughs> that's why this is fun. That's why this game is fun. Because none of this makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> it's all nonsense. All right. So question five. We're almost done, guys. Almost at the finish line. A lot has been made. And Sandy, Yasmin, you guys did a phenomenal job last week talking about it as well, about the way that the referees are calling this game, the drops in free throw rate, how certain stars are struggling with it. So last season, there were 34 players in the league that averaged at least five free throw attempts a game. Do you know... Or how much do you think, how many, how many players do you think this year are currently averaging at least five free throw attempts a game? So last year was 34. What do you think that number is as of right now? Um, I'll give you, I'll give you some multiple choice just because it could be any number, right? I'm going to give you some multiple choice questions. A, 32. B, 22 players. C, 13 players. Or D, 17 players? Uh, I'm going to say C, 13. Okay. Sandy, I'm going to say 17. So I will go with, uh, you know what? I'm going to go with 32. Why not? Maybe it's not that big of a drop. It feels like a trick question. <laughs> Good news and bad news. Good news, you're all tied. Bad oh news, my God. you're oh all my wrong. God. The answer <laughs> is B, 22 players. Oh, okay. Uh, well, there was well, a drop off, but it was like, <laughs> okay. Nice. I mean, damn. Is any of right. the Raptors? I don't feel like any Raptors averaging five free throws. Oh, no. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Yeah, I was going to say, like, OG had to cry. <laughs> did, did, did OG get free throws today? I don't think he did. did he? No, he didn't. Yeah, no current Raptors. Oh, no, he got two. He got two. Come on, he got two. 
All right, now this is a quick, easy, true or false, we're at our last question. We're gonna keep it to a true or false question and I'm gonna need the actual, well, hold on. True or false, the team with the best transition defense also has the highest offensive rebound rate. I'm gonna repeat that back to you. The team with the best transition defense and that they limit the most amount of fast break points also has the highest offensive rebound rate. Well, you sound kind of distant, Will. No, nah, this is true. This is true. Okay, Will says it's true. Okay. Um, I'm going to say it's false because I don't think the two are related because if you slow down transition points, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say it's false. Okay. Sandy, true or false? I'm also going to go with false. I just... All right, well, William Liu, congratulations. Oh, yes. You just won. Uh, now, you know now, <laughs> if the person can, can answer first with the team that, that I'm talking about here with this final question. There you go. We see them every night. Hey, we saw there them you go. Yeah. There you go, guys. Wow. Best offensive rebound rate. Wow. Probably not after tonight. That probably really? went down after best today. Best offensive rebound rate? They yeah. did. Today might have changed uh, that. It's like <laughs> yeah, all I'll, Scotty, too. It's all Scotty. It's, it's Scotty rebounding his own misses, yeah. But, uh, yeah, you know. exactly. <laughs> That's how he gets, like, 10, 12 rebounds a game. Like with Pad me. your number, Scotty. Yeah, man. Scotty's averaging a cool Wes Unseld right now. <laughs> That's oh, my good. God. He's a stat That 13 and 17. <laughs> All right, you guys, that is the quiz. It ends with the best team ever, the Toronto Raptors. So so that was my quiz, guys. Thank you. Good job, Iman. That was good. Thank you. Learned a lot about 1969 NBA. I didn't know about about the 1969 NBA, but here we are. 1969, such a fun year in America, huh? Uh Uh-huh. A lot going on. Definitely. A lot going on historically. Great year. (laughs) All right. Now we can actually move on to what was once the six and four Raptors that are now the six and five Toronto Raptors after a loss to the Brooklyn Nets. What do you guys think about the game? Will, I know you're just coming back from talking about it with the post game show. Yasmin, Sandy, any thoughts about the game that we just witnessed? Um, yeah, it looked like an emotional roller coaster. So I'm kind of glad I didn't go to that one. It looked intense, but. Um, I feel like there, I didn't like, it, it was one of those losses where you didn't see anything like too worrying. Yeah. They messed up some rotations, which I think will come with, um, reintegrating, uh, Pascal, who's like a major part of their defensive rotations. So they looked a little lost, especially, especially precious. I saw Will's tweet about precious completing those rotations. <laughs> um, he gets especially lost, but I, yeah, they missed some threes, um, you know, you had Blake Griffin and Bree hitting their um, perimeter shots. So, um, you know, sometimes you're going to lose those kind of games. But um, if, if you there, I think there are a few positives to take away from this one. And that's, um, I guess, the defensive potential of the front court, because I thought Scotty, Pascal and OG looked really um, dominant at times um, defending um, the paint. And um, I thought, you know, the rookie looked good both Delano and Scotty Pascal's reintegration was pretty 
seamless. Like it didn't look, um, it looked kind of disjointed, but I didn't see anything too worrying. He looks fine. So um, yeah, I, yeah, that's kind of what I took away from today's matinee. Sandy, anything to add to that? Um, I was pleasantly surprised by Gary. Like he had a moment in the third quarter where he like mm. almost took over the game, and I was like, "What the, what the fuck is going on?" <laughs> like Gary to Trent. Yeah, like I was just so confused. I was just like, every time he hit that like mid range shot, I was just like, no. "What am I watching, bro?" Like you literally just carried the team. Um, so that was nice. Um, Scotty missed a couple of shots that I felt are typically easier for him to hit like easy for him to hit um which was surprising um so I think he's just getting back into the groove of things um oh you mean uh, Pascal sorry Pascal yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like four to five thought he, four thought he was fine but Pascal I like shots that you would typically make he was missing I he got to the line which was he good. got to the line which was good um but I for the most part I think the integration will be fine he looked pretty good um he just kind of needs to get accustomed to like playing um playing again uh Freddie was I've been pleasantly surprised with Freddie like I I thought this season I would have all the complaints in the world (laughs) you're ready because he's not Lowry and you know what like he's shut me shut me up this whole season like I literally have little to no complaints about Fred um I just think that they couldn't hit threes today and that's what cost them the game. I'm not really too mad about this game overall. I wish Kem was playing. I think it would have made um, things a lot easier, especially like rebounding. Um, I noticed we had a little bit of a problem with that today um, and Kem would have helped a little. Um, but for the most part, like I'm not really too upset. It's KD, it's Harden. We knew we knew that KD was going to come back and act up because this is the first game back in Toronto since uh was game really? five. yeah since oh. game five so we knew katie oh, was gonna come back and and drop some buckets so i'm not i'm not too mad about it for the most part yeah i, I have I a think, question for yeah. um i have a question for will um a couple of people were mentioning that the raptors offense looks kind of like like sticky like it's very in the half court it seems they take a while to get into their sets and I don't know if you've noticed it too but do you know like the reason for that because I can't really figure out why uh, I feel like they use up the entire 24 seconds continuously yeah um well I think two things like in today's game for example like they, the Raptors love running the hammer play where yeah. they'll run a pick and roll on one side of the floor and the goal is to get the guard to the baseline and then he throws a cross-court pass to the corner I feel like the Nets snuffed that out like four times. And so when the hammer play fails, all you have is just a really shitty pick and roll. Mm. Then you got to reset. Uh, yeah. And then I think the other thing that you probably see a lot when you watch Raptors games is just like the three man weaves at the top of the floor where they're just kind of like like pitching it back and forth with like a half set screen. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's just like that takes a very long time. And very, very rarely do I feel like they're uh, creating an opportunity right away. Um, so I think it's mostly that I also think that like without Pascal until he's like fully fit. And I think that even today, like there were, he was productive, but also at the same time, I think that there is a higher ceiling, much higher ceiling for Pascal to get to where he can like drive downhill and, and sort of break down the defense or at least touch the paint enough where he draws two defenders. But honestly, before that, like the only guy who can like consistently dribble, get to the paint, 
and then make a play by either kicking it out or maybe scoring there was Fred. Like, if you look at the starting five before that, it was like Gary, Scotty, uh, OG, and, you know, Precious or, you know, Cam or whoever was really in those lineups. Like, there, it, it just had to be a case where they had to reset the offense a lot to Fred so you can get downhill. Or they would just, like, set up somebody in the post. But that could take a while to, to for them to get going because – if you're posting up generally, like there's going to be a second help defender, then you got to kick it back out and rotate. So, yeah, I mean, I think that that is mostly it. And I think maybe the other factor is just like, man, all the starters are playing so much minutes that like it's almost inevitable that in the second half they start like walking the ball up to like start their offense with like 18 or 17 seconds left because they're just kind of tired. You know, right. like I thought the Raptors were run more in transition, but like Fred also leads the league in minutes and plays 41 minutes every night. And OG's like seventh. So, you know, this guy's already tired. It is what it is. Um, do you think Scotty can help? Well, it's probably gonna because I sometimes I have to remind myself that they're like integrating this rookie who's supposed to, who's going to end up being like a key piece of the offense into it. So do you think it's just a matter of him um finding his niche on the court and then them eventually creating the plays and whatever offensive dynamic he's gonna end up kind of embodying later on? Um, I think I hope so, but I also don't really know if Nick will do that. I mean, he does really want to go with this free flowing kind of thing offensively. And so if it's going to free flow, then it's really up to somebody to like stop the flow. And the people who stop the flow right now are OG, it's Fred and it's Gary. And I guess honestly, when Pascal's back, it's probably more like fully integrated. It'll be, it'll be Pascal as well. So uh, I think what really the goal is for Nick, it's not like he wants everyone to touch the ball and like, you know, it's not high school or, or middle school or whatever, but I, I think he, what he wants is for Scotty to just like literally go to the basket every time. <laughs> like, I don't think Nick has been upset even one time with, with one of the Scott, shots that Scotty took today. And even today, like for example, Scotty took only seven shots in 31 minutes. Part of that is his teammates obviously are using a lot of, uh, you know, possessions, but also he just needs to like, just attack. Like you have DeAndre Brimber on you, attack him. I don't care how it gets done, but you know, and, and a lot of the times it's not like the prettiest, but like post him as, as far as you can, see if there's any help coming. If there's no help, pick up the ball and then try to pivot your way into the shot. Like, I, I don't think Nick will be upset with that at all. And I think that's where Scott needs to figure that out. So, like, like, no offense to any of the other guys. They're pretty accomplished. <laughs> but, like, like Scotty, you're just as good as most of these other guys. So just Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I want to see you take 15, 16 shots a game, even with everyone healthy. Anything anything um, you guys have noticed about – how about you, Iman? About the game or about the emergence of Scotty or Fred? Oh, both. the rules. Um no, honestly, I think everyone kind of made really great points, specifically about the gamer or Sandy's point about Fred Van Vliet. I think everyone's really just sort of stepped up in a way um, that's been surprising and pleasantly surprising. I mean, Fred Van Vliet's not Lowry, but he is great in his own right. Um, and just, it's just, I think the emergence of Fred, the emergence of Gary Trent, which you mentioned, the run that he had in the third quarter, also just his defense, he's leading the league in deflections. Um OG Ananobi, his emergence on the offensive end, what he's able to do, granted today he didn't make the shots that we wanted him to make, but every guy has really stepped up in Pascal Siakam's role. So to me, it's really just exciting to watch Pascal Siakam kind of work back and see everyone sort of fit around him Um, because, and, you know, I keep mentioning this, there's no benefit to a player being hurt, but 
something that you do get to see is everyone take that next step and have a role. So you actually truly get to witness them grow in a way that like we probably wouldn't have gotten from Gary Trent at the start. If Pascal Siakam had been in here in a way we wouldn't have maybe gotten from Scotty even at the start with Pascal being here. So um, to me, it's just really going to be a lot of fun to watch Pascal get reintegrated into the system where everyone has taken up that step and, and, um, shown that they can take on a bigger role and what they can do in that role. Um, specifically guys like Gary, Scotty, Fred, and, um, OG. Wow. Uh, I did want to ask you guys your thoughts. Cause we haven't, this is kind of like, we, we haven't really done too many podcasts since the start of the season. So I am really interested in what everyone's sort of thoughts are. We talked about Scotty Barnes, but also like Delano, Delano Banton and what we sort of gotten from him on his birthday today. Shout outs to you. Can I just say when it's my birthday, can I get a streetcar saying happy birthday to me or like a bus? What bus? Let's, let's work. Let's work on that. Yeah, it's bus? like it becomes like the new birthday thing in the city, the new trend. <laughs> Does you get a happy birthday on a streetcar bus? I'm down. We get free transit if people actually bought that stuff. <laughs> but yeah, no, Delano's been awesome. Delano has been um, just NBA ready. Like he's such... I'm so impressed by the fact that he's like an actual point guard because usually when that term is yeah. used for larger players, they're not, they're usually like kind of, you know, a forward with point tendencies, <laughs> but this guy's like an actual point guard. And I just love his ability to get on the court and immediately it kind of elevates his teammates, which I think is a really good marker of a point guard. He's a, you know, a willing passer, but he also finds his own looks. Like if he, if he sees the opportunity, he's not, he's going to take it. And I just, I love the fact that he's um, just not forcing it. It feels just very natural and the offense flows a little better. I have to check the numbers, but it feels as though based on the eye test that it flows a little better when he is on the court. Um, and I'm already seeing that him um, develop a bit of chemistry with um, uh, Scotty Barnes and um, you know, he's, he's an incredibly just versatile player. You can play him with Fred, you can play and friend Fred, tends to go off ball when Delano's on the court as well a little bit. So that's been really cool to see. But um, yeah, I've just loved everything I've seen from Delano so far. And I can't wait um, because I think that he has the capacity to develop a shot, just a standstill catch and shoot jumper. I think that he has the basis for that. So I can't wait to see that development in his game as well. And I, I love that sort of duo there because, I mean, you want a lot of Fred off ball just because he is one of your best shooters. And when they had Goron and Fred, it just felt like the pace slowed to a crawl. That's just how it like, and especially because, and I know Will, this is something that you were harping on on a lot of pods was just the Raptors are getting transition looks, but not converting on them in the way that they should. Um, And a lot of that was just like, it just felt slow. Um, And so having someone like Delano who immediately gets into a game and absolutely changes the pace, just his ability to do that. Um, and just push push the pace constantly and play with such energy. I think the energy shifts as soon as he steps foot on the court. Like I might not even notice that he's there, but then I'll notice that they're playing faster. And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, Delano's on the court. Um, and yeah, I actually that's perfect because that's a good point because I think I noticed that when Delano's on the court, I see less of the stickiness in the offense. Like yeah. They, yeah. They don't yeah. use the 24 seconds completely. Like it just feels like a lot more dynamic. You see transition buckets happening. It feels just very fast. It feels very... Um, uh, uh, just classic Raptors basketball that you'd see the last couple years. Exactly. Which I mean, in watching Miami, I'm like, oh, they can do it, but we couldn't for like the first week. I was just like, yeah. can someone show? Can someone show the Raptors what the Heat are doing right now? Um, yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, one thing that Delano's doing is like reminiscent of Kyle is that he's like rushing the inbounder, whether that's like his home yeah. teammates, whether that's the referee. Like Kyle used to be so annoying with that. Like he like chucked the ball to the ref. He's like, yo, give back to me. You're like trying to play one twos with the referee, which is hilarious. But like, the, I mean, that's part of it. Like you, those are all the small little tricks that like you need to do. And I think one thing that Delano does really well is that like that hit ahead pass comes from him more willingly than some of the other guys. I feel like even with Scotty, even with Precious, like these guys can't play in transition and they can handle it a little bit in transition, but like they want to like, they're really insistent on beating the first man for some reason. Like they really want to dribble past the first guy, then get into like the final, uh, you know, half of the core and then make the decision. Maybe that way you get the assist more likely. But like, I, I think just the early hit ahead pass something that is something that Delano does well. In addition to the fact that he just plays really fast and like, how many of other guards could just get downhill? Like all Delano needs to do is get his shoulders and just get real skinny, right? Put his shoulders like just slightly past the guy and then stretch the rest of the way. Like that's really all he needs to do to get to the rim. So I think Delano is just, um, you know, he's just, he's been great. Like he has been really great. He's got that little um, one-legged uh, off the screen where he sort of goes to that um, that that righty floater from like the, the mid-range yeah. area, which is a really sick shot if you can make that consistently because pe- people are not going to contest that. Yeah, at 6'9", um, it's ridiculous. It's impossible. Like, that's my, yeah. like that's the whole, like, he's 6'9". How insane is that? Why did it not play more, by the way, in this game? Why did we play so much speed? <laughs> yeah, Nick, I, what's going I, on? Is it Nick? the shooting? Is it just the shooting? I think like, my shooting understanding because... was just the Raptors needed some shots yeah, to fall in. I think I noticed V uh, pop up when the shots were not falling. Yeah. So I think he was added in there for shooting, but I think the team needed more Delano. And I would have loved to see more Delano with Siakam. And I hope we see that more going forward because you have Delano who loves to do the hit ahead pass. And then you have Pascal, who's like an excellent catcher for that. Mm-hmm. And he yeah. also has the ability to finish yeah. um, in transition really well, like just to receive um, during the transition play. Like I think, I feel like the Raptors have just like been messing up a lot of the transition um, scoring in the sense that people are just dropping it or just not finishing the dunks. Like only lately, the last game or two that I've noticed they've been actually finishing, finishing them up. Um, and it was probably uh, stressed in their practices to um, complete those plays because that's like a bulk of the Raptors offense. And that's how you're going, to, you're not going to score it. Like this team was never going to be a good half court offense. This team was always going to thrive in transition. And also this team is going to get more transition opportunities than most teams because of how often, like because of how aggressive their defense is and how many steals they get and how many deflections, which is what Alvin Williams kept talking about in the game, which is great. Cause like, as soon as he was like describing it, I feel like, I think it was Siakam who got a steal and the Raptors ran in transition and ran the other way and got a basket in transition. It was like an easy two. I think it was Siakam who took it all the way. And I'm like, as soon as he's describing it, having it there for you was just perfect finistry. Mm-hmm. But um, it was just frustrating watching the Raptors blow something that seemed, I'm going to be honest, I had that moment where I'm like, oh, like point guards are really important. <laughs> like I, I know that point guards are important in the game, but like there is something to a team not being able to convert what I thought was just an easy basket. I thought you got the deflection and that's pretty much most of the work. The other part of it is running the other way, which the Raptors clearly have guys that are capable of doing, but not yeah. being able to convert those at all, especially how many fast break opportunities turned into turnovers. was just like mind-boggling to watch in the first week of basketball but part of that is the chemistry part of that is guys sort of getting accustomed to each other um and it it has turned down in the last week or so so credit to the team 
they're, they're, I feel like they're better on offense, by the way, than I think I probably anticipated coming into this season. Yeah. Yeah. I agree yeah. 100%. I agree like that as well. Yeah. Like, I thought, um, Scotty, I'm not even going to lie. Like, I, I, this is one of my worst takes ever. But I was like reading a lot of the draft stuff and I was listening to like all the draft experts and they're like, Scotty hasn't scored like 10 points ever in his life. And like, Scotty's <laughs> a zero level scorer. You got to like dunk the ball with Scotty. And I was like, okay. Rude. And I was like, okay, so like, what is Scotty then? I mean, like, are we going to get like an upgraded Stanley Johnson in, in, in season one? And clearly he's been way better than that. Right. Cause so like he's exceeded expectations. OG's actually like most of living up to the hype. Like, Mm-hmm. Did you see that stretch play where he hit three turnaround jumpers in a row against James oh Harden? Oh, my God, yeah. Then Katie, and then, then Gary James did Harden. The same. <laughs> yeah, Gary's been, like, pretty decent, I think, honestly. Like, even today, he didn't hit any threes. He still had 14 points. That's not what you expect from Gary, usually. Pascal's going to do his thing. Fred's been pretty solid. I mean, we also know what Fred is. But, like, that group right there, that's, like, five guys in the starting five that could score 20 on any given night, which is, yeah. like, not yeah. what I expected from this team at all. So everyone has stepped up in such yeah. a major way. Yeah. And then Delano has been like actually useful. But then again, I thought Goran would be good, but Goran's literally like a prisoner now. He's just they keep him in the basement. Like yeah. <laughs> and Svi, honestly, tonight was not a good game for or today was not a good game for Svi, but he's been impressive, I feel yeah. like. Yeah. Um, yeah. he's had he has his purpose on the court. He's a solid defender for I feel like the one to three positions if you're not dealing with Kevin Durant or James Harden. Um <laughs> he's been really solid and he has like sneaky hops. He's an awesome rebounder. He can pass. Like he's been a solid, like, you know, eighth man on the roster or something, or ninth man. But um, yeah, I think that I keep saying I kept saying um that I this team has an offensive ceiling that could potentially be higher than the last couple of years. Like I'm not being sarcastic. Like I think that they look they will look a lot um, different by midseason because I just feel like you have a lot of young guys who have the capacity for growth, who have um, a great feel for the game, and once they develop that chemistry, they have the tools, they have the shooting, the they have the uh, passing. Um, I feel like there's a good playmaking distribution throughout the starting five um, that yep. makes well outside of um, Gary that makes it very interesting. <laughs> Yeah. Speaking of having enough shooting, we got to pour one out for Sam Decker, oh. who is no oh. longer a member of the Toronto Raptors. That's tough, man. One day after he announced, hey, me and my wife are expecting. Oh, no. And the Raptors are like, yeah, you're going to have a lot of paternity to leave. Oh, um, they could have warned the brother, too. Like, That's bro. crazy, bro. Don't, I was like, hey, man, don't post that. Man. Just, uh, just You might not want to post about oh, no. You're not going to have a job in a day. Like, come on, bro. He was endearing himself to the fan base, too. People were like, you know what? Sam Decker is cool. Brought his yeah. mama talked about his mama in the DMs, about his mama telling him, oh, tell Scotty I love him and all this shit. And now he's mm-hmm. gone back to Europe or wherever he's going to be playing. Ruthless. Nah, he's got to be home right now, man. His his wife needs him right now. That's <laughs> tough, though. I mean, look, I mean, the Raptors did pay him 350K, and he, all he really did was come in for a training camp and, you know, had that nice little stretch against the Wizards. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it's tough, but I mean, I guess the Raptors, you know what, you know whose fault this is really is? It's not even, I don't even blame the Raptors because I wouldn't really be in the luxury tax either, first off, for this team, but especially yeah, not for, for Sam the Decker. Season, yeah. I blame Goran Dragic, Goran. Yeah. Goran, surrender your salary. Let Sam back into the job, please. Because that's why <laughs> that's why the Raptors had to do this. Because they're wasting $19 million on Goran Dragic right now. Oh, it's his oh fault. How so do I get myself a job like where I photos? nothing and 
get $19 million. Right. Go on, like, go on. You got to pay like child support at least for this child. It's a, it's a Decker baby. <laughs> got to take care of that baby, bro. Um, was it between Isaac uh, Bonga and Sam Decker? Was that their options? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we okay. haven't even seen Isaac Bonga. I barely yeah. even see him even at the arena warming up. Like, <laughs> I see tall. Oh, on the it bench. was an easy decision for Masai. He's tall. He's African. He can, um, yeah. you know, he has a bias. Listen, hey, man, all they need to do is spread their all arms back. apart. You measure that wingspan and you keep you keep Isaac Bonga. <laughs> it's pretty simple. But damn, oh, I feel bad for Sam Decker. Can you imagine some kid that's not even played? Like we, I don't even know how that kid really looks. I keep mistaking him from Boucher every time he comes on the on the floor. So like, Bonga, yeah, Bonga. Like he literally looks like Boucher every time he's on the floor. I'm just like, who is that? And I have to like squint and like go wear my glasses to make sure it's not Boucher that I'm looking. I think he at. played in preseason. Yeah, I don't know that he's even played in the regular. Like, season. I don't. He hasn't played in the regular season. That's what I'm. Saying. Oh, like pre- oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. I, honestly, I, I do the same thing. I do the exact same thing. When they pan to the bench, I'm like, wait, who is that? Oh, yeah. Who is that? I, I don't know what that kid looks like, honestly. I forgot like, that he's on the roster. If you told me he was Boucher, I'd believe you. I, I literally. <laughs> no, because I didn't. Okay, and this is no, I didn't have my glasses on and I was watching a game. And this is probably why I should be wearing my glasses as I watch games, because I was like, when did the Raptors get Andrew Nicholson? And then I put my glasses on and I was like, oh, shit, never mind. <laughs> No, they both have the, like the old face, the old, <laughs> right? really old-looking face. Like Bonga <laughs> has a very mature face for twenty-two years old. A mature face—that's a great way of putting it. But no, Sandy, yeah. I know exactly what you're saying. Um, so we poured one out for Sam Decker. His his long career as a Raptor. I, I was gonna say, what are your favorite Sam Decker moments? I'm gonna start <laughs> with the uh, when he wore the squid costume to uh, the Raptors Halloween yeah. party. Which was only like last week. Damn, they really <laughs> life comes fast in the NBA. <laughs> Having a baby, he doesn't have a job. Like God, yeah. you know what? It's what Sandy just mentioned. It's the it's the DM from his mom, or the, the text message from his mom. That was my favorite Sam Decker moment, highlight of the season. Yeah, fair enough. It was them walking around downtown trying Ooh. to figure out where the hell they were going. That was my favorite moment. Yeah, yeah. This guy got to see Wellington. Good for him. He's got a lot of memories. <laughs> of, uh, the financial district. Of, like, have you guys have you guys watched any Miami Heat? Yes. Unfortunately, yes. Yeah, they look good. Yes. They look so good. Yeah. Well, I I watched the game versus Boston, and they didn't look so hot. <laughs> <laughs> that is fair. But then, but did you guys won, see? So. Did you guys see what Marcus Smart did this weekend? Um, you're now? gonna have to be more specific. Um. So, game against the Dallas Mavericks. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys saw that? That was Mm -hmm. literally, like, what? Okay, so for those of you guys listening that do not know what I'm talking about, it was, um, was it a one-point game? I think it was a one-point game. No, it was was tied. It was tied. It was tied. So it was tied with 11 seconds, 11 point some odd seconds left in the game. Mavs had the ball. And their shot clock was down to five. It was down to five, and the Celtics had a foul to give. And Marcus Smart decided to give that foul, which if they didn't have a foul to give, okay, Luca takes free throw. Well, actually, no, well, what happened? I don't know what happened too, in the but... final two minutes. Whatever it was, he had a foul to give, so he decided to foul Luka Doncic, which means it's the Mavs get to inbound the ball, and the shot clock goes off, and they have the final 11 seconds. 
So when you had a guaranteed six seconds to put up a last shot for the Boston Celtics, you give that up to make sure that Luka Doncic has the ball for the final seconds of the game. And of course, Luka hits hits the, the fadeaway in the corner there and the Mavs win that one. It was the, the wildest part is Marcus Smart took an early three right before that possession to create yeah. a two for one. Yeah. Like he, he lit and he, of course he bricked it because it's Marcus Smart, but like, <laughs> like, bro, they, I, I, like you're just intentionally sabotaging your team, like off two possessions in a row. And um, I was just yeah. watching Celtics Twitter, like melt and like 50% of people were like, you know, what's, what's a coach name? Imu Udoka. Yeah, Ime Udoka. Yeah, yeah. Ime Udoka was telling him to do it. And then 50% were like, no, he clearly was telling him no not way. to do it. <laughs> now like, you can see the footage. <laughs> it's hilarious. So so that was a mess. And can you imagine? Like, I always him. wonder uh, how the Raptors would deal like with a personality like Marcus Smart, like how he would work here. Because um, yeah, it just seems like there's a power struggle in that locker room. And I always wonder what the dynamic was like <laughs> between the players and the coach there. There's always something going on. It's very strange. Don't you gotta That's be it. better to be the leader of a locker room? Like yeah. don't, it don't depends. You, like smart is like uh, you know, like a nice bench guard when uh, okay, you're in I the see championship. What you mean. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like how, why is he the leader of the team? I, I if I'm Jason I'm Tatum, I'm like, yo, I'm not listening to you, I don't care. <laughs> I don't That's care. That's why the team's falling apart. There's no way. Yeah. Like, why would you want to listen to Marcus Smart? For what? You, you know Tatum I, probably kills him on in practice every single day. And Marcus Smart's like, yo, you got to pass the ball to me. And he's like, what? <laughs> the hilarious part of that is... Like, he, yo, shut up and play defense, You got to pass the ball to me. And the next game, he was just bricking threes. I just purposely watched the next game. He was just bricking threes. Like, that's why nobody respects you. Why? Why? Like, make your shots. Who was it that pointed out that Marcus Smart still had a better three-point percentage than Jason Tatum? So he was allowed to call Jason Tatum out on that. I thought that was hilarious. Tatum is going through it. Yeah, Tatum's going through it. Dame is going through it. Dame is coming out of it, though. He just got 25 the other night. Dame is just... Dame just irritates me, honestly. Honestly. If you want to know the value of a point guard, outside of the Celtics Heat game, watch the Celtics and watch the Heat. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the difference <laughs> how both of those teams run their offense, and you'll be like, oh, I get it. Yeah, pay your point guards, guys. Pay them. Um, you could see yeah. what's interesting about the Celtics is you can see, like, that power struggle play out on the court, like, in real time. Yeah. You could see yeah. Tatum triple teamed and taking a turnaround fadeaway jumper and Not then being shocked that he bricks it, like – Oh uh, God! And then you you see those stretches where Jalen Brown looks like the best player on the team by a wide margin, and then you see the moments where Marcus Smart is like, you know, it's Marcus Smart time now, um, and it's just it, all that in forty eight minutes. It's kind of amazing. I watch a lot of Celtics basketball. <laughs> yeah, they're. I mean, they're difficult watch. I feel like this. Yeah, I've for whatever reason, I probably watched more Celtics basketball than anyone not named Toronto or Miami. I don't know. That's because you're Loki a Celtics fan, but uh, I was. I was I was a Celtics fan for a very long time. That's yeah. It's true. I mean, I was always a Raptors fan. I just needed a team to cheer for in the playoffs. And the Raptors weren't doing but it. You pick one in the West. That's the rule. I know. Like, come on, bro. No, you do pick one in the West. That's Steve Nash's team in the West. So you're always picking the Suns in the West. Right? And so I rode with the Suns in the West, but I'm also going to need an East team. 
right? Because like, here, here's the secret though. The Western Conference sucks and the Eastern Conference is it. That's just yeah, the West is kind of ass right now. <laughs> oh, the West is so bad. Like the Los Angeles Lakers so are boring. an unserious team that is an unserious franchise. There is no way. There is no way that you lose to the Oklahoma City Thunder twice and you yeah. barely squeak out a win against the Houston Rockets. I do not care about LeBron James not being healthy. It is the Oklahoma City Thunder. No, but they, like, they have know. they have a lineup that's like exclusively born in 1980. <laughs> like I was, I was, I was watching like because they're always a late game on, so I'm like in yeah. bed, you know. I'm like, okay, I'll just, let me see what's on, and it's like it's always the Lakers, and it's always I, I start like literally I turned on the game in the first quarter last night when they were playing Portland, they got watched. I think, um, yeah, it was Rondo, it was Avery Bradley, it was Carmelo Anthony, Dwight Howard, and I forget who the fifth guy was. Oh, well, Wayne Ellington. It was like every single guy on that team is thirty. Hey, it's it's you know what's crazy most of those guys might have even been born before 1985 <laughs> I mean, <you> know, like, <laughs> it's a good chunk of them that are like over 1988 at the very least 1987 or 86 and above <laughs> like, like they have the celtics backcourt from 2011 yeah <laughs> what's interesting though about that out to rondo um, and bradley <laughs> like what's interesting about the West, like even it even speaks to like the quality of both conferences right now. You look at the young teams that are, you know, probably not going to make the playoffs in the West. You have like Houston, you have um, what do you call it? Um, Sacramento or whatever, just completely unwatchable teams. And then you have in the Eastern Conference, you have teams like um, the Cavs, who I watched them play the Knicks earlier and I don't know, uh, I feel like they um, might meet a challenging stretch and probably fall out of the playoff race um, up ahead for the Cavaliers, but they are so fun to watch. Like the I was yeah. so thinking fun. it when I was at the um, Raptors Cavs game and they were a blast to like watch. I was just like just hypnotized by Garland on the co- on the court and oh, they have man. a dynamic front court now with uh, and Mobley and Jared Al- Allen have this amazing chemistry between like two seven footers. It's insane to watch and then like you see the late games that come on um in the western conference and it's like i can't even watch the young teams in good faith right now like they're just terrible you know what anthony edwards he's fun yes yes the kings feel more fun to me than in years past yeah, Fox is struggling apparently, and people are upset because they they bought oh. a lot of stock. Uh, yeah, Fox, it, Fox is having a difficult start, but the Kings have seemed more fun to me than than in years past. Shea Gilgis, that mm. yeah. Speaking of home. just like whew, Trudeau, please. get on the phone right now, please with uh, Biden or whatever. Get him, get him home. back home. <laughs> Tell him, yeah, that's right. At least 40, I don't care just calling up, just calling up Joe Biden. Like, hey, what's this call about? You know, Shea Gilgis Alexander. <laughs> Yo, that visa is expired. You know, he's got to come home. <laughs> he can only play home games. <laughs> that three that he took, though, Man. is something like the audacity. The like, they're they were up by three points. There was a minute and some odd seconds left in the game. He just brought the ball up half court. Avery Bradley's waiting for him at the top of the key. And he decides with like, what was it? 17, 18 seconds left in the shot clock that he was going to pull up from three at the logo. What on earth would possess you to do that? Nah, he's a demon though. He, he really- <laughs> And it went in and it was like, 
the most insane thing I've ever seen. I love him so much. And his team was like not hype enough for me. Like, any other team, any other young core would be like freaking. <laughs> they were like, damn, we're not going to be allowed to practice for three weeks now. <laughs> Why the fuck nah, did you he was that? like, he was dapping up like Mike Mascala. Like, come on. <laughs> Yeah. Tragic. I feel. Oh God, get him out of there, man. Get him out of there. Black and yeah. white jerseys. Those white. Those white aerial font jerseys. That jer- yeah. like they decided so they weren't ugly. just gonna mail in the season. They were oh gonna mail God. it in on their jerseys as well. You have like the the like Shea Gilgis is like the most stylish NBA player, mm. and you have the audacity to put him in that. Free him. Like. God. Will, what are your thoughts about the uh, the Raptors jersey? Uh. I mean, honestly, I'm I'm actually kind of like them right now. I think they're in a good spot. I like the the OVO throwback like combination jersey that they have yeah. for like I guess the city jersey this year. Like, kind of makes sense, you know. Like that's probably, I don't know. Like you you marry the old school look, but you also put the OVO style on it. It's it's nice. Um, you know, the black jersey is really good. The one that kind of Pinstripes. the Jordan the Jordan one, yeah, with the stripes, yeah. I don't know. The Raptors got Loki got like some the best jerseys in the league right now. I've really come around on the Chevron. And I think the Raptors right. also kind of like step a little bit back from the Chevron because like not every single one is is the Chevron now. Right. Yeah, not everyday um, Chevron. So and I mean it looks good, honestly. Like even like regular people look good in it. That's the thing. Like the every, <laughs> the players are always gonna look good in the jerseys because like they're like super fit and very tall and whatever and slim. But like um like regular people actually look good in Raptors jerseys, so Good, good for the Raptors marketing team, I guess. Black, that's smart. Always go with black guys. People look good in black. All right, we have a bunch of questions for you, Will. Okay. Uh, for you, Yasmin, for you, Sandy. So so ladies, gentlemen, let's begin. Okay. All right, first question is from Lucas. Thank you, Lucas sent in a few of them. Um, he says, we all know Nick Nurse likes to play tall, defensively sound ball handlers, even if they aren't threats to score in the half court. The fan base generally hated these players getting minutes. In 2019 and 2020 seasons, it was Patrick McCaw, and in 2021, it was Stanley Johnson. Is it fair to say that Delano is this year's Pat and Stanley, and that fans are more open to him because he's a second-round pick from Rexdale? Or is he bringing a lot more to the table than those two? Signed a big Patrick McCaw fan. That last sentence made everything make some sense there. If Patrick McCaw played like Delano... Like Larry would be coming off the bench. <laughs> like, oh no! I, wow. I feel like I feel like Nick Nurse was so infatuated with Pavlov's game that I just did not understand it. Um, I got and it. And honestly, I think that the whole tall ball handler things is just. I, someone noted it. I wish I remembered who, but they said that uh, Masai acquires the type of like the player archetypes that fit Nick Nurse's um, like coaching ideology best which is like that type of player, like a taller ball handler, two-way player, um, defense feeding offense, such and such, blah, blah, blah. Um, But yeah, I think that, I think Delano, um, he's become more than a meme player. Like he's not just like a a joke or, you know, an internet inside joke for Torontonians, but he's literally actually very good at basketball. (laughs) Um, And people note it. People had him higher. Like I, I, whenever I speak to people involved in draft stuff, people involved in scouting, they always note that Delano was meant to go higher. And if he declared for the draft in the following year, he would probably be a a first round option, a first round um, pick uh, for some team out there. So I, I think he's a real deal. I agree. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think 
The issue with Pat McCaw was that his usage was like 6%, um, <laughs> which is like unsustainable and untenable. I mean, it's not like you want him to shoot that much, but he just like was a total non-factor to score. Like Delano actually like makes aggressive moves downhill into the paint. And whether he scores or he dishes it out, he's like actually doing things to like contribute to scoring the basketball. And that's what you do need from your backcourt players. Also, Delano's bigger. So he offers a little bit more defensive versatility than, than Pat McCaw, who was decent defensively, but like um, he's not like six foot nine and like contest shots at the rim like Delano does. And also Delano's from Rexdale and, uh, you know, from the sources I've heard so far, I'm never going to say anything bad about Delano ever publicly. So it's all good. That's my guy, <laughs> Delano. Sandy, anything to add to that? Imagine you write a critical story. No, <laughs> well... Not me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next question. I, I don't, uh, I don't, oh. Iman, I was going to say really quickly, I don't yeah. have anything, um, anything like um, that could possibly criticize him. Like he's from Toronto and he's playing decently and he's like, he's taken Malachi's like spot. Like I, what am I supposed to say? Like he's, he's playing. So basically than- he's better than Pat McCall. <laughs> Yeah, he's, so he's definitely better, better than, than Pat McCaw. That's just the answer. Yeah. That's our Absolutely. answer. Yeah, he's from Toronto, but he's better than Pat McCaw. Three-time champ, okay? Back to back to back. Very few have done it like that. There you go, Pat. Uh, all right, next question from Amon. Um, hello, big fan of the pod and the guest. Thank you, thank you. I wanted to ask if OG is valid for complaining about the lack of foul calls. When I watch his game, I don't see him really do moves to draw fouls like Luca, Trey, or even PG-13 might. Um, there's a sense of fluidity in those guys' movement and the disruption from getting fouled is extremely obvious for them. Maybe OG might just be too strong. Thoughts? That's a good point. Like, I actually agree with that, the latter part of that statement where I think that OG is very strong. He absorbs contact very well. And I don't think he sells the um, contact as good as those other guys. Like, there's a patience in like the last moments of their movements that kind of give away the contact to make it as clear as day. And you even saw it today when Pascal was um, getting it rolling. There's just something in a little more experience that allows you to see the game a little slower and to sell that contact and to make, it's also about selling the contact to the refs in your vicinity. Like you have to change how you're doing, how you're doing things based on where the refs are on the, on the court or on the, um, um, by the inbounds and everything. So you just kind of have to be, you have to be super hyper aware of your surroundings and very intentional in the way you're trying to sell contact. It's not a matter of putting up a shot, um, missing, and then, you know, kind of getting upset that, yeah, I was hit on that. How, you know, you can, it's kind of a complaining after the fact rather than hitting something with the intent to sell the contact. So I think that's something that's going to come um, with experience to OG and, um, you know, it's, it's like the, the first step of becoming a, a more uh, proficient scorer. We saw it early with Pascal as his usage went up, how frustrated he get, you know, screaming on his way to the basket. So it's only a matter of time before we hear OG start screaming. That's a good point. Honestly, OG incorporate some, uh, vocal elements to your game. Cause we yeah. all know you love being quiet, but like, damn, you got to say, Hey, when you drive, I think honestly, it really comes down to OG in the way he like attacks because he kind of. So I think one one way for a lot of players to draw fouls, especially wings, um, is like they come off that screen and then they like really like shoot through that first gap. And then they're like are right at the rim and the rotations are late and they beat the rotation. They're like, oh, he's just not naturally quick like that. 
And then plus on top of the fact that he is very strong. So like contact doesn't like noticeably disrupt him. Um, just kind of makes for this thing where the defense is able to converge on him after he comes off the screen. And I think most of his fouls are probably like he's right at the basket and he pump fakes a little bit. Then he goes up for that reverse dunk that he loves so much. And then someone slaps him in that process and he goes to the line for two free throws. But outside of that, like he's mostly driving one-on-one then fading away. He's just not going to draw that many fouls on fadeaway jumpers. And then like half his shots are threes and he's not really getting fouled on those just period. So I guess the only advice is like you got to introduce a little bit more pump faking to your game, especially when you drive um, or slow down just or not slow down, but speed up just a little bit so that um, you beat the, the the defender to the spot in, in the rotation. But uh, I feel for OG, though, because I do think he takes a lot of contact, but they're really not calling a lot of these like, um, you know, drawing foul, like just drawing contact in the lane off these drives. Um, even Harden had one today where I thought for sure the Raptors fouled him and it's literally James Harden. Like, why would you not give him free throws? But the rest weren't even calling that. So I feel for OG, but at the same time, like this is part of uh, learning how to be an efficient scorer. Cause like every great scorer, pretty much outside of KD knows how to like, even KD obviously draws like, you know, his share of free throws, but like most great scorers know how to just get like a third of their points from the free throw line. That's like the easiest way to be efficient. We didn't DeMar and James Harden used to have like dinners where they would share notes, yeah. <laughs> exchange notes on how. It's <laughs> a, a freaky dinner. <laughs> but I mean to Plotting. name Luca and Trey, one thing Luca does is just complain nonstop. Yeah. <laughs> until right. he's gonna get the call. And Trey Young has definitely just like perfected the the craft, the art of baiting guys into fouling him as well. And it helps that Trey Young literally looks like a child on the court, whereas OG strength just allows him to absorb contact without actually moving at all. It's like kind of the what happens to a lot of big men. Shaq could be hacked a million times. Not saying OG is Shaq sized or anything, but just that's kind of what happens. Whereas Trey Young looks like a kid on the court, where if you know a strong gust of wind comes, I'm worried about him as well. All right. Next question. Hi, girls. You're awesome. Great. Please say hello to your fans across the ocean here in Galicia. I hope I said that right. Um, hi. Uh, I've learned a lot of English with Iman's people, but I'm sorry. <laughs> what? Um, Galicia. Galicia. Where, where, I'm going to tell you. you, you wanna, someone want to Google this? Where, yeah, where is that, that at? <laughs> G-A-L. It's like G-Alicia. Right? Galicia. G- Galicia, maybe. I'm probably just making it Alicia because I'm thinking of Alicia Keys. Galicia? Oh, they're saying it's Spain. Spain. Oh, okay. of course, Manuel's from Spain. I should have known this. I didn't even read that it was from Manuel. Okay. Oh. Um, I learned a lot of English with Iman Speed. She told me weeks ago that the Raptors are going to be the fifth seed in the East. Now, I did say on the high end, they would be the fifth seed. On the low end, they were probably going to be like a 10 seed. I thought that would be... now. No, I, I will. I will maintain their five seed. I was... I wanted to call them the one seed. I just didn't want to seem like a crazy person in Spain. Um, <laughs> so I went with fifth seed. Um, she told me they were going to be a fifth seed in the East. Do you all agree? Do you guys agree with me? Is Delano the most under the radar rookie? How great you think the season of Precisio, pre- Precious, oh, they're trying. <laughs> Hispanic, he's <laughs> Precious, Precious in Spanish, um, Precious Achua oh. will be um, Precisio. That's awful. I took 10 years of Spanish. Can you guys tell? Oh, yeah. um, 
And William Liu <laughs> has two. Oh, and William Liu, do you have two lovers like Lou Williams? It's just a stupid joke. <laughs> Congratulations for your work. Um, and yeah, <laughs> just a lot of love from Spain. That's a lot of, a lot yeah, that's, of a, that's a wild question, man. <laughs> just. There's like six questions in there, and they're all wild. But anyway. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Manuel. Um, so, so to start, do you guys agree that the Raptors could be a fifth seed in the Eastern Conference? Set yeah, I I agree. Thank I you. I think that when things level out, like mm. you know, fifty games into the season, and you know, everyone goes through tough and easier stretches. Um, I think that I maintain that they're going to be like middle of the pack in the playoff run. That's what I think, honestly, but like, especially like, as I think that the team won't hit their stride until like 30 games. And like, I think they're still in a, there's still a big learning process to overcome, but I think that they can be like in the middle of the pack. Like I, I think that they're better than the Celtics. I think that they're better than the Knicks. Fact. Like when I look at the, I think they're better than the Hawks. Like better than the Pacers. Fact. Barring major injuries, a healthy Why is everyone team? so high on the Hawks? Now, I get that the Hawks are good. I get the vets that they have. I, I get it. But it felt like everyone just penciled them in as like a two or three seed. And it's like everybody else. And then it's like they were in the same tier as the Bucks and the Nets, it felt like. And then everybody else was after. And I'm like, the Heat looked like a better team to me than, this, than these guys. The Heat are probably the best team in like the second. That's what I thought, but I just thought it was my Kyle Lowry bias coming into this. <laughs> it was just like the Heat look like obviously the Nets to me are like with if they have Kyrie Irving. We saw what they were able to do today. I think the Nets are legitimately really good. I was actually surprised that like I thought that they were a better defense today than I thought that they were. Yeah. They have been this season. And yeah. it's just like I was I was pleasantly surprised by that. Um because it, it felt like, yes, the second the second half came and we saw, like, James Harden get hot, but it just felt like the Raptors just struggled to score against them. And so the Nets can be in a league of their own. The Bucks, I get it. They're the reigning champs. But it felt like the Heat should be in that sort of top of the East conversation, but it was the Hawks. And I was just surprised at how high everybody had them. But I guess to answer Manuel's question instead of my own here, uh, the next question here is, do you think that Delano is the most under-the-radar rookie? No. It's Austin Reeves. Oh. <laughs> Every time I watch the Lakers, Lakers, I'm like, yo, these guys are all old. They can't do anything. They can't shoot. And then this is, like, random, like, literally, like, uh, he he looks like, um, who's that guy that was actor for Spider-Man? Like, uh, Toby Maguire? Toby Maguire. Yeah, Toby, yeah, he's basically like Toby Maguire jumps into the game without his glasses and is like hitting threes and like moving well and like generally guarding well. And I'm like, who is that? It's Austin Reese. He's actually, I looked up his numbers. Like he's actually shooting 36% from three and like 48% from the field. Like oh, he's, he's not bad. Yeah. So shout out Austin Reese. Um, and what, how great of a season do you think Precious Achua will, be, will have? Um, <laughs> Can I just say, Precious Jua is the most fascinating player in the world to me because the flashes he has are so good. There's upside there, right? There's, it's so good. I'm just like, whoa, if he can do that consistently. And then like every time, everything else is just, it, it makes my head hurt a little bit. But the flashes of brilliance are there. I see them. Even like to, he no had first. a good scoring game tonight. I think I saw some interesting things, even though he was struggling defensively, looking a little lost. But Precious is, yeah, one three. Nutshell, he had one where he, Fred should not have given him the ball. That was weird. He was just standing in the corner, and Fred was like, Yeah, let's, let's do this. Let this be the shot. I, I think that uh, Precious is worth 
the like the investment of time and you know development resources and everything to try and help him blossom you know I think that he's worth that so he's not a finished product at all he's you know he still has a lot of things to kind of unlearn and um he, he but he has these tools that I think are worth trying to develop further because I can I, I ask you yeah he has stretches where I'm like god damn like I would so good play consistent minutes all the time right his stretches look really good now I was kind of seen as a crazy person for saying this early on but I was like like I get that Pascal was gone. I get that the Raptors sort of needed someone to start at the five. Ken Birch was coming off of COVID, but I'm like, would it be that crazy to see him at the nine five? Like, shouldn't he be getting some run there? But everyone else was like, no, 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 no. He's got to be on the team. And I'm like, he's so raw though. And he has so many great moments of brilliance. Wouldn't it just make sense for him to get some run down there? I, I think so. I think he should get some run with the team, with the nine Oh five team. Thank you, Miami. I think that'd Miami be not mark. happy with me with that one. That means more Boucher minutes. And yeah, I was going to say. We're going to need to keep him around. Can Boucher go to the 905? Is there an age cutoff there? I'm kidding. <laughs> that guy was what? MVP defense player. Of the year. <laughs> I that to him. Damn, how bad was the defense that year? <laughs> that's, that's, uh, what's, what's his name? That's, uh, Alvin, no, uh, Wes Unseld winning MVP with uh, 14 <laughs> points. That's, that's Chris. Yeah, I'm not trying to have him find us, man. <laughs> No, that's my that's my that's my new mission. No, I, I'm just hate. actively seeking him out. <laughs> Will yeah, you people are using most, his full, like, people, Come on, people, people, people on Twitter are using small. like his full first and last name purposely now. Christopher Boucher. Sure. Yeah, they're using. They know he's gonna search it. They're using no no censorship, no first names. Yeah. They're using the whole government. Sometimes name. I forget though. Like I, you know me, I'd be talking. You should do it in French. And then I just I realized that I said something. You might. You know, search his name. Like you're grown, Boucher. Don't do that. Come on, no. bro. I watch a game. Yeah, I live feed, and then I avoid the slander. Just play better. Yo, me and Chris well, are the same. Me and Chris are the same age. So, <laughs> Chris, come on, man. How old is Chris? <laughs> he's 28. Okay, he's a year older than me. God damn. I mean, I think he's extra sensitive this season because he knows that like his. <laughs> Like Utah's gonna come back and just snatch. You. Oh God! So I cannot it's wait not for you. Our to fault. You can't get mad at us. Yeah. Chris Boucher's the only person that wants to go back to Tampa. Chris, you're worried about the wrong Asian man. That's you're, you're, oh, no. why you don't look at my timeline. Look at Utah, man. Look at Utah. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> look at Utah's timeline well, of return. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yo, what's up with Utah though? Like, what's going on? Like, every time he practices, he gets another you, injury. Though. Like, yo, what's going you know, on? What's man? going on with that kid? Bubble wrap. No, I'm, I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna find out. How long man. it's gonna take for him to come back? Like, we have heard nothing. Uh, no, they, strain, right? yeah, but like he went to the 905 because he was like on the verge of coming back from his original injury, and then he picks up a cap strain. I'm like, yo, Utah, how hard are you working? So you pick up an injury <laughs> at the 905, bro. Are you diving on the are you diving on the floor for during drills? Like apparently stop. his defense right now is like next level discipline. So he's he is what the it. team needs right now. Welcomed a welcome addition. Get well. Because I watched I watched Speed just a couple of a couple of times just look a little lost. Look a little lost tonight. Now James Harden was literally bullying him, man. That was oh that was my gosh. Hypnotizing that, that, him, hypnotizing that, him. I'm not even gonna lie, that's how my middle school went. So I feel I feel oh, for you, no. Speed, but that's how that's how it goes. Anyway, Speed's getting oh. paid millions of dollars to be bullied. He, he's good. All right, 
And finally, our last segment where we're asking people to, you know, throw out some of the basketball questions and ask us life advice. Because if there's anything that all of us um, have going on, it's great decisions in our lives. (laughs) We are not liable for any of the results our advice may yield. We are going to give this person a fake name. Will is our guest. Would you like to give this person a a fake name? Uh, Sure. Their name is Larry. (laughs) All right. Larry OB says, hi, I recently moved back to Toronto for work in my late 20s. Financially, it made much more sense to move back in with my family instead of paying thousands in rent to live 15 minutes away from them. This has mostly been fine, except for has made me pretty insecure about dating. Mainly, I'm worried of potential impracticalities, and I have a lot of internalized stigma about adults living at home. Um, and then he he has an addendum. Is that the word that I'm looking for? Hopefully, we're going to roll with it. Sorry, should have included an explicit question. Am I worrying too much about this? Do you have any t- tips for making me experience smoother? He's, he's in his 20s? He's in his 20s. He's moved back home and has now what? literally back Wearing home. a panty? We're all a panty, broke. like, is it, this sounds like a very white concern. <laughs> it is. Yo, damn, we free roasting Larry. Okay. <laughs> I mean that in, like, a, I mean that in the sense concern. that I'm trying to tell him, As, you know, Toronto is 60% non-white. I think I, I I haven't looked at the percentages of like what age groups live with their family, but especially during the pandemic, a lot of people have moved back home. Mm-hmm. There is nothing to be ashamed of. Like what? Yeah. Here, I, I agree. I think, you know, all of us are children of immigrants. Uh, I know the ladies here living at home because guess what? The city is expensive and I'd like my paycheck to go to things that don't matter in the world. Um <laughs> Get <laughs> a roof over my head. Um, so, so I think, yeah, I think you're worrying a little bit too much about it, but there are also like alternatives, right? Like if you do get into a relationship with somebody, you can, I think, I think the, I think where his issue is, if he does want to bring someone back home, he uh, does not want to bring that person back home. Yeah, yes. of course. Um, yeah, I feel sorry. you still, I feel no. you. See, that's where it's valid. That's the thing. Like, I, yeah. I, I feel you on this. Uh, the options are not great. Obviously, if you have a car, that helps. But, you know, that's like, <laughs> you can only do that like, like you know, like, hey, let's do this once. And then, like, if you do that, like, three times in a row, they're like, you, you we have to stop dating each other. <laughs> um, Living at home saves you some finances. You might be able to use that on an Airbnb in a hotel. Right. Yeah, right. Honestly, like, you can honestly travel and you know Anyways. get find spaces constantly like every weekend if you're saving that much money on yeah um, I, I will rent. say i don't know what if you're into men if you're into women right i don't know what your preference is but i will say that try to be upfront with them in the beginning so they kind of know what your situation is and if they mm-hmm. decide that they're gonna stick it out and like you know ride with you until you get your own place then great um and before, you don't honestly- want to you don't want to get in a situation where y'all like, okay, I'm feeling this guy. Let me, or I'm feeling this girl. I'm feeling this guy. Let me, let me take them home. And then home is where your mama and your pops are. And no. you, you can't really be doing nothing. Like don't. But even before they date, I feel like they got to unlearn kind of that stigma because you don't want to walk into it with insecurities. there are already, and, right. you know, mm-hmm. so I think that, you know, Larry, you gotta, you have some unlearning to do. 
there is nothing wrong with your situation is a, is a quite common situation. I feel like all my friends live at home. All my, um, you know, my, all my, my children of immigrant friends of that. All my 70% Somali friendship group <laughs> lives at home. So you find um, yourself a Muslim girl. This will not be an issue. Yo, for this you, won't be an issue. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Toronto. We're all poor. Like if we're not yeah. living alone, <laughs> if we're not living with our parents, we're living in like a bear, like a den. Yo, you're living in a bando if you're not living with your parents. (laughs) Like, it's fine. Don't don't take it too personally. You're good. You're in your 20s. It's not like you're, like, 40. Have you ever gone to your friend's house? Have you ever gone to a a friend who lives alone to their spot? And it's like that, you know, that that, um, meme of, like, Goofy, where he's just like, damn, bitch, you live like this. No, exactly. No, that's exactly how it goes. Like, you walk, oh, man, I didn't want to say this. But, yeah, no, a, a good friend of mine, I haven't seen him in a while because the pandemic, you know, one drinking with him like 2 a.m. was at his house. He's like, yo, well, come over. I was drinking. I'm like, okay, fine. I'll come over. And like I went to his bathroom and there's like four different toilet rolls and like none of them on the actual like, you know, the roller, but like all in like various stages of being used, ranging from like completely empty to like only a few squares had come off that thing. And I'm like, that's you got to stop living like this, man. How are you it dating people? such anxiety. No, exactly. I was having anxiety. I was like, yo, why is there no soap in here, but there's hand sanitizer? Like, yo, oh, no. what is happening? What? Yo, where's the shower curtain? Like, yo, I was Let honestly, me tell I was you, like, men living alone is worse yeah, than it's it's very different. Nah, it's horrifying, man. And the, 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 the worst part is always the furniture. Cause like you have like the, the cheapest, like, you know, like whatever Ikea calls like their like tables. But just like a really cheap coffee table, and like that's it. And that's all the decoration there is in the whole house with a nice and couch. take minimalist to a next level. Yeah. And listen, man, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry I flamed you, but I kept you anonymous in this. But you got you can't have four <laughs> toilet rolls, man. You just gotta consolidate <laughs> one at a time. Anyway. No rush. That's that's hectic. But yeah, no, I think I think there are lots of solutions in terms of like if you're saving money, you can go on trips, you can do something else. If it's just an embarrassment, life is not a TV show. We do not get to spend all day in a coffee shop with our friends and go home to giant apartments in the city. Lofts. That's just not the way our world is right now. Um, and you're being fiscally responsible and you're doing something that I think makes sense. You're saving for hopefully an investment down the line in the future. I think yeah. that makes sense. And maybe if you do get into a relationship, then you can buy or rent a place with your significant other. But for right now, you're dating. Don't change up the way that you're living to hopefully impress someone that's clearly not worth impressing because they're not about a real lifestyle if they want you to be spending money unnecessarily. And yeah, it's not the end of the world. It's not the end of the world, Larry. No, you just got to open open up your dating pool to- um, options. People of color. I'm kidding. Oh, wow. no, so many assumptions about Larry. <laughs> we don't even know who Larry is. <laughs> <laughs> Larry's probably a Somali man. <laughs> no, the first thing I said was see white people. Like that's literally my first thought. Like, poor Larry. Anyways, yeah. Uh hopefully this was sound adequate advice for Larry. Thank yeah. You. And and hopefully this is a fun pod. Thank you so much, Will, for joining us. No, thanks yeah. for having me. Um, it's it's such an honor. I, I like I said at the top uh like 10 hours ago, like this is a pod <laughs> that I listen to all the time, a big fan. So Yo, we're um, rusty. We're we're back, but we're a little rusty. So it'll take us a couple episodes to get to the flow of things again. I was gonna say no, it's all, it's all no, but seriously, it's all good. Um, yeah. Like the Raptors' offense. 
No. It'll get there. It takes no. it takes a second. They're they're in their they're in their third week. We're in our second week. Okay, next you guys week actually we're going to be have coming along. We're going to be coming okay. along. Thanks for that, Will. I appreciate it. Yeah, you guys actually passed the ball. You know, <laughs> we need to find out who's the friend Van Vliet of the group. <laughs> oh my god, that would be drama yeah. to find out. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say this 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 podcast in particular, especially the three of you, have the most Fred agenda. But you know, we're just gonna leave no, it at that. See, uh, see, know. my Fred agenda's gone. Is it? I'm, yeah, if Kyle Lowry's gone, I don't have people were here's my thing. People were literally saying start of like 2019, 2020 season, all right, Fred's emerged trade Lowry. And I was like, mm. Are you children? Oh yeah, I forgot that. Oh this man who is zero of a hundred on anything beyond Lowry had his wow. No, he was he was so like do you remember i remember being at the christmas game against the celtics come on and he hit don't his celebrate first, christmas what are you he doing? hit he hit his first know, mid-range, right? he hit his first mid-range shot in uh, that game it was december uh, 25th yeah okay there was, <laughs> it was, was december 25th there that was his first mid-range shot of the season I feel like no one here has a Fred agenda. We we just kind of tolerate Fred when he does well. I, are are I you mean, telling me Sandy doesn't have a Fred agenda? Please. Fred, oh, anti-Fred? Yeah, an, he's saying that we have anti-Fred agenda. Oh, okay. I thought he was pro, pro Fred. No, I'm like, no, no, you no, no, listen no. to the pod. No, no, no. He's saying, saying that we no, all have anti. anti-Fred agendas. I see. I see. I see. I'm, I'm I Fred neutral. I'm Fred neutral. I won't lie. I've I've been anti. I can't speak this season because he's, he's, he's shut me up. But like, I've been anti- Fred for a very long time. Very, very. You, you hear time. him target the the idiots on Twitter today. <laughs> I feel like he was talking about my timeline specifically. <laughs> One of these days, Fred's gonna at me, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Can I just? Can I just? Uh, no, that's that's, that's, that's anti- Fred's an actual adult, bro. He's to the people, he's, he's not worried about Twitter, man. Oh, Fred's, 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 um, Fred's wife, I believe, has come at me before. Really? Um, oh yeah, yeah, that did happen. You're no, right. Damn. Yeah, I mean, look, I didn't. I'm not a crazy person. I'm not going out of my way to mention family members, but I might say crazy things about Fred VanVleet as I'm watching a basketball game. It's gonna happen. Um, but um, can I just say to the people who are talking crazy yeah. right now about Nick Nurse, what is that about? What is happening here? Will, can you speak? That'll, to that'll be for next week's episode. I mean, I just need, I need Will to speak to the people. I feel no, like look, people listen to William Wu. Uh, I mean, first off, thank you, but I mean. I think people just have a lot of conversations every single day. So, like, there's going to be a conversation with anybody. I mean, realistically, nobody's a saint. I don't think Nick coached a great game tonight either, but there's also other games where I'm like, Nick was perfectly fine or Nick was good, and people are on his case. Um, honestly, like, there hasn't been that much to nitpick for me about Nick this year. Today, he overused fee. It, he did, but he needed the shooting. And I feel like people were calling. Yeah. I, I would look at my timeline. People would be like, we need shooting. Nobody can score on the Raptors. We need to bring a shooter out. And then it's like, why is Svee on the court? And let me tell you, Svee on the court was annoying me as well. I think that there was a lot. I think there was too much Svee. I also was kind of confused at how the Pascal Siakam minutes worked. Um, so I do have some questions about what Dick Nurse did. But there's just, there's there's been this whole, like, he's not he's not responsible for the wins that the Raptors have had when they were on the winning streak. Like a lot of like, he's not the one hitting the shots for the players. And it's like, so tonight, was he the one missing the shots for the players? Is he the one who went like, what was it? 10 for 30 or whatever the hell the Raptors did today? Nah, Nick that would be way better high. than seven of 30, bro. Nick would have shot seven better than, than speed tonight. I've seen, like, I've seen Nick shoot. 
if he's if he's not the one making the shots for the players, he's also not the one missing the shots for the players. You guys cannot have it both ways, and that's just been frustrating. I feel like that's like a, that. I feel like that's speaking to a more philosophical sports debate about the impact of coaching on mm-hmm. play and yes, that's fair. Impact. So I feel like people are having a wider discussion and don't even realize it <laughs> that this is that's an fair. ongoing debate in like all major sports. So. Um, that was a huge thing with, I think, like the DeMar DeRozan and the defensive intensity and whether you need to bring another coach in to fix him. And it's like, well, he's not the one playing for him on the court. These are conversations that, you know, every fan base, I think, is always going to continue. Yeah, no one ever. fully loves their coach ever. No. Like, I feel like, but you know, who does probably the most beloved coach, uh, like in the league from who? his own, fa- like the own team fan base. Like, I never see that. Like Celtics fans hated Brad Stevens, like. Um, Frank Vogel is constantly being critiqued by Laker fans, whereas I feel like Nick Nurse is kind of like this, um, uh, like folk hero <laughs> in Toronto for the most part. Like, I feel like this debate is very limited to Twitter. This guy gets cheers during yeah. the lineup calls be- before the game. <laughs> Yo, why did they announce Nick Nurse, by the way? Like, he always I don't know. We didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. You know, like Nick Nurse, if he were not if he were not a coach right now, he would be trying to tour with the Arkells, and he would get his I name called out. I feel like he gets out. a little is, louder of a cheer than like Precious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, the, the Precious cheer's been mad quiet recently. <laughs> Come on, fans, you gotta you gotta fix up. He's still on the team. He's got he's got to go, go to Paramount for a little bit. Let us miss him some. Oh, damn. Well, I, I also just want to point out quickly before we go, um, the people that are always complaining about. Raptors fans being annoying and insecure it's like we're annoying and insecure get over it like I don't know what you're expecting every, exactly. like That's every, on, every uh, to me it's a big market fan base thing any yeah, big market yeah. fan base is going to have that the Knicks literally celebrated a regular season win like, it was like they had just won a championship like I was surprised that confetti and here's the thing here's the thing I'll say this before we go if there's a fan base that deserves to be insecure it's the no, Raptors, okay? Yeah, for real. Yeah. It's the yeah. Raptors. So just let people get in their feelings and talk about Lowry or whatever the fuck they want to talk about. Because honestly, don't talk about Lowry. Don't do that. I do not condone. Literally the next day, Scotty Barnes will do like a cool pass and we'll forget it. Like we're very, right. we're very... I'm going to uh, go to sleep forget. in the moment. Watching the strip he had on... It wasn't even a strip. He just yanked he just the ball yanked straight that. out of that man's hands. Just yeah. that's all it right takes. Out. That was we wild. The and then and then he looked back at him. Bro, imagine <laughs> looking back at KD. Several just, times. Hey, Several listen, times. The steal was good enough, man. Just dunk the ball, man. Come he kept on, looking man. up. You're looking at he kept KD. Looking back and then he hit the reverse. <laughs> and then he hit the reverse. Yo, this guy. Oh, my dunk was pretty too. Oh, he, 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 he that's my favorite thing about no Scotty. One. Scotty will put on a show. Yeah, he's genuinely insane. Like he is an entertainer. Yeah. He he was looking back and several times and there was no one within fifty feet of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, you run away with a steal. Like it's like that IKEA commercial. Is it IKEA? What is the commercial where like you they got such a good deal they keep looking back because like the whole point of the commercial is like is if you stole oh, yeah, something. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly what he was doing. He was just looking back like I just stole this and it's just like the cops are gonna come get me at any point. Like that was uh, you know a ridiculous crime he committed on Kevin Durant. Yeah. All right. I think the the last thing with the fans is just like there's two groups of fans. There's like the younger group that like grew up, started watching the Raptors in like 2013 onward. And like they've been pretty good this whole time. So that's all they expect. It's like if you grew up rich, you know what it is actually? So the original (laughs) crop of Raptor fans 
are like the immigrant, like your, your immigrant parents, you know, they, they worked real hard. They come into this country. They don't get anything, everything they have, they get taken from them. They leave it for agency. <laughs> We're the ones that still live at home. And then yo, then the next generation is just like the sex for the, I guess the second generation kids who are just like, yeah, you know, this is what it is. Oh my God. You've never call- experienced Someone said my lunch smells bad. Now I have trauma for life. Like, no, that's not trauma. It's <laughs> not trauma. I'm sorry. That's like, oh, wow, your, your lunch is sneaky. Guess what? Your lunch probably did smell bad, man. I don't know what to tell you, but there's bigger things that <laughs> left than your lunch smelling bad. No, there's that's bigger things that left than Pat McCaw sucking. Like, Pat McCaw would have been like the fifth best player on the Raptors, like, for like Yo, 20 is... seasons. Listen, so, get over we it. We celebrated Jamario Moon. Yo, he oh was the the call with the dunk package, man. That was my championship. That was that was young Yasmin's championship. That was like. Yo, remember oh when God. we hyped Jamari moved to go to the dunk contest and he yes. was ass in the dunk contest? Like, <laughs> <laughs> he didn't do anything. <laughs> and I'm like, yo, that's the only thing you do is dunking, man. Yo, I was heartbroken because I went to a summer. I went to a summer camp that I was like ten or something. Went to a summer camp. There was an activity of like, hey, you can like create like a t-shirt, you know, draw on a t-shirt. And I drew a Jamario Moon 33 on a white t-shirt. Oh, My parents still had that hung up. I had to look at it. And I'm like, yo, what was I thinking? But that was what Raptor <laughs> fans were. So like, yeah. stop complaining. It felt like the about peak. Precious, man. Like, Precious is listen, pretty good. By Raptor one of my fans. favorite jerseys that I got as a birthday present was an Anthony Parker jersey that I still cherish to this nice. day. But like. That was the like that was to me the best player on the roster. Like that to me was the epitome of what Raptors are. And you know, like it's not Candace, it's Anthony. But shout out to Anthony Parker. Is is he better than Speed? Oh no. <laughs> oh no, no, no. <laughs> I think it's he is. So he's, he's better than Speed. He's better than Speed. Okay, okay. But not like <laughs> substantially so. <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. And that was like our in guy. my heart and mind, he was. <laughs> we started him all 82 games. Meanwhile, we just yeah. bring Speed off the bench. He plays more than 20 minutes, and he doesn't guard well against James Harden. We're like, oh my god, fire! Nick no, Harris. yeah, like, literally the best over offensive yourself, players in the NBA. Like Speed struggled against the greatest scorer of like the last several decades, and it's an issue. One of my favorite things that Chris Walder does is like mention how many more points. I think it's points or minutes. I on I think it's oh, points. Points. Yeah, points. Points. Yeah. Right. That that Scotty Barnes has over like former Raptors and he's naming like cuts, like deep cuts. And they're deep cuts, but they're also like people that like have a significant space in my memory and mind. And I'm like, yeah. wow, the Raptors really suck. That this is a player that, like, like Jermaine Jackson is a player that just like is embedded into my brain. <laughs> like <laughs> skip to my Lou is a player that's just embedded in my brain. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, it's always fun to go through that. Cause you're like, damn, the Raptors sucked. Yeah, exactly. Raptors fans, life ain't so yeah, they bad. Were bad. <laughs> they were bad. They were bad. They were bad. The kings of the East, if we're being real. No. Yes. Damn. That, real. That's reckless. Damn. The kings of the East. And with no, that. But this, is, this is part oh. of my theory of every, every single person should be impoverished for like a short amount of time in their life. Just to have perspective, you know, but like not like to harm them or anything just like, <laughs> like I, I know my kids will eventually will one day like be middle class from the start of life instead of like lower class and start of life and i just want them to know like what that's like so i'm gonna say you're gonna to be China. a shack dad we're shack no, no exactly my money yeah. your money that's right of. i have blog money you guys don't okay you guys gotta you guys gotta write our raptors public too <laughs> i feel that Exactly. Yeah, sending them back to Africa just to get. They'll go before I do. My kids will. My kids will go before I do. Where you like tell them you're going for a wedding and then just fly back to Canada? No, <laughs> no, I guess. That would be 
I, I, did my time. I did you know I did my time and ends like I don't need to <laughs> go back yeah, that happened to my cousin actually like oh, no. he was like oh we're just going for you know oh holiday. my god and then his dad just disappeared I know who that god. has happened to there are cousins I haven't seen in like a decade. There are cousins I haven't seen for like a couple of a couple of years. Yeah. That also my friend is Somalia. She might still be there, Loki. <laughs> Yo, no. my cousin was sent back like when she was like 16. I haven't seen her since. <laughs> like they go back a while. Like that happens. You gotta no, learn she's, respect she's, somehow. She just be living on Dixon Road. <laughs> uh, like they yeah they oh god anyways that's for another episode we'll talk about <laughs> we're gonna have some dark episodes apparently oh, <laughs> <them out>. uh, <laughs> well someone will someone will send a uh dime bag question related i'm, to I'm gonna put it in right now what do you do when your family <laughs> tells you you're going for a wedding and leaves you leaves you back in africa for six years okay mm. anyway that was a long outro I'm, I'm gonna let I'm not even going to go into it because it's a long story. Somebody I know that like literally got left behind and then they went to the, the, the embassy, embassy and said, oh, my parents left me. No, that <laughs> happened to my cousin. Oh my God. Yo, that what are people cousin. doing, man? Yeah, yo, this is, yo, this is, yo, this is, yo, this is home alone, but like. <laughs> <laughs> it's too common sandy it's very common it's common and she's like yo you're gonna leave me where okay she went to the embassy was like okay uh, my my parents left me they you know they took care of her her back and then they had this her parents had this long ass bill (laughs) (laughs) they have a protocol for it they it happens so often you get kids from like freaking norway and canada and stuff that are like stuck in the middle of africa and they find the nearest embassy That would be that would be for another episode of Dishes yeah, and Dimes. Sorry, guys. <laughs> what episode? Can I be? I'm, I can't wait to listen to it. I have so many questions already. Okay. Thank okay, you. Okay, we're this is an outro. I forgot. This, this is it. This is it. Thank you so much. Because we can keep going all night, but I'm not working in the morning, y'all. Um. So thank you so much for joining us. Will. Thank you, Yasmin. Thank you, Sandy. My name is Iman, and I'm signing off for Dishes and Dimes. <laughs>